Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Whoa! Every time I hear that, I hear a new title, I and I, I need like to say congratulations, <laughs> Sherlyn. Congratulations once again. Thanks again. Uh, we are back for the new year, everybody, and we're going to be talking about CES 2022, uh, an event that is sort of going on physically in zombie mode because people are there, but we are covering it remotely, and we've got so many things to talk about. So let's stay tuned for that. As always, if you're enjoying the Engadget podcast, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcaster of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. That's genuinely helpful. Everybody looks at that. That is a big deal. So please do that. And you can drop us an email at podcast.engadget.com. We typically record live uh, Thursdays on the Engadget YouTube channel around 10 a.m. Eastern. So join us for that, too. It's always a fun chat. So Sherlyn, CES for me, I'm, I cover a lot of chips. Mm-hmm. And it's always like the big chip thing, right? Like uh, yes. Intel, AMD, everybody has to announce their new chips so they can be in the new PCs. So we talk about them throughout the rest of the year. There's so much stuff this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, before I dive into the nitty gritty of things, like were there things from your perspective that you were looking forward to at CES or from the PC side of things? Um, I wanted to see cool, weird stuff. And I think I yeah, I, I yeah. saw a bunch of it this year. We already, I mean, discussed some of that um, earlier in uh, earlier episodes. But I also am grateful we didn't end up going physically to the show. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> You know, unlike last year where it felt like it was a very crazy CES and, you know, that was all virtual. This year, it felt like we were all just trying to make the best of, of a bad situation. And so it feels a little less stressful in that sense. Does it feel that way to you, too? I mean, it was just, I think um, maybe there's more of a workload of things because yeah, last year everybody sure. was still, like trying to get their bearings of how to do CS remotely. And now a lot of companies are just like, okay, fine, virtual conferences, but also we're still going to have a pile of news. So I've basically been working nonstop since like Saturday morning yeah. on everything and, you know, throughout last week too. So there was a ton of work. You could see it all on Engadget.com. And, uh, you know, we're just uh, now I'm like taking a step back and trying to think about everything and think about the broader implications of things. So that's that's really it. Uh, CES is always a huge workload for us. Always, always. Um, So I have to remind myself to like think about what all this means, too, because when you're in the trenches, it's easy to like just feel overwhelmed with everything. So what does this mean? And I think. For the PC industry, it's going to mean a lot of new things because um, we've seen a couple foldable PCs, like foldable OLED, big 17-inch OLED PCs. Um, there's a lot of new interesting hardware. I'm just going to go down like some of the key stuff. Intel yeah. showed off their 12th gen hybrid CPUs for notebooks. And uh, we talked about this in October. 
Their 12th gen chips have P cores, performance cores, and E cores, efficient cores, and they kind of combine them together to give you like good multi-threading capabilities, right? So the P cores can do hard work when you're rendering something or playing a game, and the E cores can do stuff in the background. So if you're like mm -hmm. streaming a game, that can handle the like, okay, I'm going to be spitting stuff up to OBS or through YouTube or wherever. Um, so it's that combination of power that's really interesting. So those chips are headed to notebooks, as we expected. They're going to have up to 14 cores, um, topping out at 6P cores, 8E cores. This is all very confusing, I know. Wow. Um, no, you could think, yeah, it's a lot of cores. And it's interesting because uh, AMD has been pushing, like, what, 8 cores in their mobile CPUs for a while. And that's, like, 8 straight-up, like, fast cores. Um, so this is, like, a new strategy for Intel. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how they how this all works out we know the p cores are going to be super fast they say the e cores are about as fast as like 10th gen intel cpus so like chips from a couple of years ago um this is an entirely new process for intel and they say like you can expect some good performance gains so you know we'll see uh, intel claims the 12th gen is up to 40 percent faster than its 11th gen chips uh the top end like 12 900 hk is going to be up to 28 percent faster in gaming this will be really interesting because also um, the U-series chips that Intel has for ultra-portables and stuff, those are going to top out at um, two P-cores and eight efficient cores. So they're technically going to be 10-core chips, but, you know, they're leaning more on the efficiency side. Is that going to hurt their overall power? Do we care for ultra-portables? Um, yeah. What, like, what do you think when you hear that, Shirlin? Does not it does not compute. <laughs> does not <laughs> compute. Does not compute to me. I feel like you mm -hmm. you, you shouldn't shaft the ultra portables, but well, we'll it, have to see. We don't we'll know. Have to see. Yeah. We don't know. I, like, is it shafting? And also Intel's yeah. ultra portable chips have always been kind of shafted, right? Like if you yeah. remember the Y series chips, if you yeah. remember the like really, really low voltage things, we've reviewed some of those. Yeah. And those computers are always like kind of disappointing. Right. Um this year they also have a P series. Of chips that are also really interesting, which are like higher wattage than the U series. It's going to be fascinating too because those P series chips um, are going to be in things like, uh, I believe, like the new XPS 13 Plus, which we'll talk more about in a bit. Uh, but right now, I'm just like trying to wrap my head all around like what these new chips mean for Intel laptops. Um, they are going to have up to 96 graphics cores or graphics execution units. So it'll also be interesting to see like how Intel's you know, um, their XE graphics get better. They've talked about their ARC graphics, which are going to be their dedicated graphics chips. It's going to be a really interesting year for Intel yeah. laptops in general. So, you know, we're going to wait and see. And uh, meanwhile, on the other side, AMD announced their new uh, Ryzen 6000 mobile CPUs, which, uh, you know, look, look like solid follow-ups to last year's. But what's really interesting is that they have RDNA 2 graphics. And AMD says that means you'll be able to play like AAA games, you know, new games that take a lot of power over 60 FPS with just your CPU graphics. So there is like a big graphics war happening in notebooks um and typically like i would give i would bet on amd just because amd has been integrating these graphics chips into consoles into other systems like into their cpus for a while now this is these are the fastest graphics chips they've ever done uh on a cpu so again yeah fast stuff to expect here um both intel and amd's new chips are going to support ddr5 ram which are higher bandwidth uh chips uh more efficient ram chips too for lp ddr 
Um, there's a lot of cool stuff to look forward to from all these things. Like between Intel and AMD, Sherlyn, like, is there anything in particular that's exciting you at this point? I, I mean, I'm intrigued. I'd have to test them out and, and mm-hmm. see perform. Mm-hmm. See performance oh, no. uh, for myself, but uh, something that dude named Charlie, one of our live stream mm-hmm. chat uh, participants, is saying is that it sounds like Apple's new chips have stirred the pot for these chip manufacturers, and that they it, like. I it. mean, it could be these things have had to be in the work for a while. So, right. there, I think there was more like there was an industry trend towards trying to do this stuff. But I'm sure also, I'm sure Intel and AMD have heard a lot from their like back channels that. Hey guys, Apple is up to something. And if you yeah. don't like, if you don't step it up, like you're going to be left behind. Like the whole reason Apple went to its own chips away from Intel is because they, it seemed like they were not happy with the, like the slow progress for Intel hardware and Apple thought they could do more themselves. So yes. Hey, competition. It's a good thing. Yes. We talked about this when Apple introduced it. Like I want all these companies to try new things. We don't want anybody to feel like too dominant and like have innovation stagnate. So yep. good things for everybody, basically, no matter which platform you choose. NVIDIA is also usually a pretty big presence at CES, and they showed off a couple things. It didn't feel as like big and dramatic as it usually is for them, but they revealed that the 3090 Ti on the graphics, on the like desktop graphics side is coming. So that's going to be their highest end chip. Um, it sounds super powerful, 24 gigabytes of D- GDDR6X memory, um, just, you know, tremendous, tremendous power. And I don't know if people are going to be able to find this. We don't know. I believe we don't know what the final cost is going to be for this thing. Um, yeah, they have not announced the pricing of the 3090 Ti or Ti. Uh, but remember the 3090 started at 1500 and then add on the, like all the extra stuff that happens from the, like the GP market, like prices rising, little stock, uh, scalpers taking a lot of stock to, there's a lot of stuff going on there. NVIDIA also announced the RTX 3070 Ti and 3080 Ti GPs are coming to laptops. And also something really interesting, um, they're leaning on 27-inch 1440p gaming monitors that can go up to 360 hertz. So that is a high refresh rate for 1440p. NVIDIA is saying, like, you know, typically gamers, especially esports players, lean on 1080p because you can get much higher frame rates at, a you know, at a pretty decent resolution. And now NVIDIA is basically saying, our graphics cards are so good, guys, that you can you can get over 300 FPS in 1440p, get a little better resolution, maybe get some help aiming or something. These new monitors are also interesting too because they can run in like a 1080p mode and they'll like scale down to 25 inches, um, but still like look accurate apparently. So that, that could be cool. There's a lot of good stuff happening there. Um, nothing like earth shattering, from NVIDIA, uh, but you know, cool nonetheless. I, I think the overall thing I'm getting from you know all these announcements is that laptops are gonna look really interesting this year. Is there like has there been anything super compelling to you, Sherlyn, from Yo, what you've seen so far? Yeah. Like the laptop land <laughs> at CES 2022 is kind of wild. I let's start with uh the I mean, you talked about when you're discussing AMD, you talked about how you um you would bet on AMD, right? So Lenovo actually uh took a huge bet on AMD at CS 2022, announcing uh, a new line of ThinkPads called the ThinkPad Z series. Uh currently including just the ThinkPad Z13 and the Z16. This is an AMD only line uh-huh. of ThinkPads with a sustainability focus. Um, I start with this because it's one of my 
like it's one of those things that crept up on me and I was like surprised by it. Um, we're not talking about the ThinkBook. We're not talking yet about the ThinkBook Plus Gen 3, which we will get to in a little bit. The Z series mm. is actually um, just a thin in line, like an ultra portable. It's Lenovo's attempt to reach more of that Dell XPS audience that wants something that's not your conventional ThinkPad. That I think people have an idea of that very state looking, very business minded, ultra portable. The, the ThinkPad Z series has... Um, very thin and light design. I, I've touched one of these in person. And uh, it has sort of a, you know, the lid has a sort of cutout around the communications bar, which is where the camera and microphone are housed. And it makes it easier to kind of just open the laptop with one hand because this bar, the cutout, kind of peaks out over over on top of the bottom deck a little bit more so it actually gives you this little handle to push the the laptop up a little bit um you can check out the pictures on engadget.com we have a few articles uh, about lenovo's announcements but this as a mainstream product was interesting to me also you know with lenovo weirdly enough betting on amd um lenovo did do something else that was very interesting and uh, I feel like a lot of people are intrigued by this. It's called the ThinkBook Plus Gen 3. If you followed Lenovo's work in the past, you'll know Lenovo tends to kind of experiment on its ThinkBook line of uh, small, medium business focused laptops. The Gen 3 uh, model is an ultra wide 17 inch laptop. Uh, running at this is the main screen runs at 21 by 10 aspect ratio that's why it's ultra wide but then it has a second screen next to the keyboard this is an eight inch lcd with a digitizer layer on it is to the right of the keyboard so right off the bat this is not designed for left-handed users um uh -huh. and i need to ask lenovo if they have plans to make you know a different version <laughs> no, no <they laughs> i don't think won't. they will it's too difficult but it's a, you know. it's a shame like when you when we first started talking about the shirley i was like oh i i see exactly what lenovo did here because if you guys have been following lenovo for the past decade they've tried time and again to get android tablets like off off uh, the ground so <laughs> yes. like hey What's this? An eight-inch screen that they just shoved into a laptop for some reason? I, I think Lenovo probably had like good stock or at least like a good line leftover tablets, like, <laughs> leftover junky tablet screens because this is like a low-res screen too, right? It's like twelve. It's like seven twelve eighty by eight hundred, but vertically, so yeah. eight hundred by twelve eighty. Yeah, that's basically an eight-inch Android tablet, you know. So <laughs> it seems like they combined these. Like from your perspective like did it did it actually work well like within windows or is it just like a weird little gimmick so thing? the really cool thing about it is and and to, to right off the bat let's be clear this isn't the first time we've seen dual screen pcs we've seen uh, asus yep. try you know we know that apple's got the touch bar this is sort of somewhere in between um it's not above the keyboard it's to the right and the there's a the digitizer layer on top of it makes it very responsive for you know doodling scribbling i actually had a good experience writing on the on this as a gotcha. notepad so it's, it's not just a touch screen it is a special layer for the styluses too right so it's also that, that but it, it's also it's also that but it's also right windows 11 also reads this as an external monitor so you can actually extend mm -hmm. uh your content onto it you can mirror if you want um what uh you know with some apps like adobe lightroom you can have a magnified view of what you're working on down there next to the keyboard you know i think de designers and artists and illustrators are going to find that kind of convenient um it also <laughs> windows 11 you know how windows 11 has these like uh, snap shortcuts for you to like conveniently snap things into like two halves of the screen or like that sort of thing. Um, this the ThinkBook Plus Gen three has a few more orientations, so it allows for uh, for you to quickly throw an app to let's say the bottom half of the second screen or the top 
left two thirds of the big screen. But there's also this new mode called waterfall. And if I told you waterfall, what would you think it was, Devendra? Maybe the window te- contents like go down into yeah. this other screen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like one window taking the left, uh, the right side of the screen, and then it overflows into that. So it's handy if you have like a super long list I that know. you don't want to keep scrolling what? down. <laughs> It's yeah. just, it's a very, it's like a nice thing to look at. I'm not sure of the practical daily use uh, of that format. I wish, I wish you'd put that, like, if you look at these shots, uh, we're looking on the live stream here of yeah. this computer next to Sherlyn. It is an ultra wide, right? So it is yes. like, it's not just a 17 inch tablet. Right. It is an extra, ultra wide. extra wide display. So yeah. I can't imagine this thing actually like fitting into book bags, like certain book bags and stuff too. Like it is a weird, weird size. It's and you big. mentioned designers. Like, yeah, I don't. I do designers trust Lenovo at this point? Do we trust Lenovo and their hardware quality? There's a lot of questions here. Yeah, there's there's so so to be very clear, when I say that I like the Z series and I like the idea of the ThinkBook Plus, let's caveat all of this by saying one, the ThinkBook Plus was you know not very stable at our hands no. on. It's it's still running no. very early software, so there's a lot of things that Lenovo has to iron out before even making this available for sale in May for thirteen ninety nine, uh, so fourteen hundred dollars. And then also Lenovo doesn't have the best track record when it comes to quality over the years, so we it's need worse. to. Yeah, I've heard so many reports. So we need to like, you know, keep a close eye and be very cautious about we're not recommending anyone buy any of these at the moment. Of course, we're just saying this is an interesting concept, interesting looking products that, you know, we saw at CES. And I I know that there was a lot of interest in the ThinkBook Plus Gen 3 after our hands on went up. So I'm here to answer any of your questions. Send them my way. uh, So there's one question I see that's from the chat. Uh, Is the tablet, like, is it running Android at all? Or is it just a secondary display with special software? That latter is correct. It's basically secondary. So it's Windows. It's Windows seeing it as a second screen. And there's also Lenovo customized software on top of it to make it quickly be like a numpad if you want. Or like that digital note pad for you to scratch notes on yeah so like what asus did with the the screen exactly. pad stuff on their thing or i the, yeah mm-hmm. i don't i don't know about this i feel like we're gonna have to get our hands on this one to test sure. because it, it, it took asus basically two years to make the screen pad like a really good thing and that is a big screen that is right yeah. below your monitor and right above the keyboard and yeah it's weird and awkward but at least it didn't like shove my keyboard all the way to the side so yeah I, I will also I'll also say that Lenovo, uh, Lenovo hasn't given a battery estimate. This thing uses mm-hmm. a 69 watt hour battery, and I don't know that that's enough for the two screens. And so bad. Good luck, bro. Good luck because this is good like luck, two bro. devices at once. So, so well, how it's about interesting. let's take that that feeling of good luck, bro. Uh, mm-hmm. That is how I felt when I was looking at the Asus ROG Flow Z13, yeah. another Z tablet, but. Uh, you know, last year, Asus showed off the RG Flow X13. Um, that was like a two-in-one ultra portable. Uh, the screen would like flip all the way around. You could use it at like a, like a 360-degree convertible, basically, with like very, very minimal hardware here. This one is essentially a slightly thicker Surface Pro because it is a Windows tablet. Um, it has a kickstand in the back. Certainly heavier than the Surface Pro. I believe it's like um, 2.43 pounds. Um, But it has NVIDIA's RTX 3050 Ti graphics too, which is much, much faster than, uh, you know, what was in last year's X13. Um, 
I have it here because uh, Asus uh, kindly like sent us one to preview so we could actually get hands-on time with it. That's useful. I haven't been able to run games. I couldn't run benchmarks because they say the drivers just aren't ready for it. Um, but in terms of like the feel of it, it is, I don't know. It is very big. Like it's okay. a very big tablet. Thankfully, they include the keyboard uh, accessory and it attaches on the bottom just like a Surface. So that's a good thing. But man, this thing is so, um, it's so top heavy. Like you certainly can't use it in a lap. Um, that's something I can occasionally do with a Surface. Like a Surface is is like the tablet alone is like one and a half pounds. So I can like balance a Surface screen on my lap with the kickstand and like do some typing. Like I've done it a lot when I've been reviewing those things. This thing, I can't, I can't even sit still and have in my lap. So that's out. Uh, it's really meant to be like an ultra portable gaming option. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know who it's for, really. Like, that's my thing, especially since we've seen so many um, really good and capable 14-inch gaming laptops and even some 13-inches. Like, I think a lot of people would be better off with one of those because you get faster graphics. You wouldn't have all these compromises. I don't know what the battery life is going to be on this thing because it's trying to be a tablet. And it's also so big as a tablet. Like, I wouldn't, I would never sit and hold this thing and browse the internet or something. So, you know... Uh, good effort, Asus. I think they built this just to see if they could do it. I don't know who would actually buy this thing. I don't think it's a wise decision, but we're going to be reviewing it eventually, like with the final model, and I guess we'll see. Would you be intrigued by something like the Shrillin, like a too big surface, basically? I'm I'm mostly concerned about like latency for controllers, right? Like when you have a gaming device like that, the a connected keyboard should be fine. But like, are you gonna use I don't know Bluetooth mice? I mean, you and can wired. You can use wired it has, stuff. It has, sure. it has ports. Like you could set it up along with like an external keyboard and your gaming mouse and stuff. But at that point, then just might just as well go for it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's my thing. It's like the whole thing about a tablet is portability, but then with the gaming device, it's like. Well, you still got to carry this and you're that and your control. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm skeptical. There are so many things. And actually, like as we I want to like shift our discussion around this because um, Intel also announced something that was really interesting. Their third generation Intel Evo specification. Evo. This is confusing, right? Remember, it was originally called Project Athena. Then they renamed it to Intel Evo. So that's a technically second gen. This is the third attempt at like doing that. Um and it's it's a whole new specs. Uh, what's really interesting is that yeah, it supports 12th gen chips. Um, it supports H series chips for the first first time, which means faster processors um, and things that could be in gaming computers can be in the Evo spec. Typically, um, you know, before they were like really aiming at ultra portables, right? Like, what's the best you can do with a thin and light computer? Now they're aiming a little higher in performance. Um, they also added a spec for foldables, and Ooh. we're seeing some foldables. This year, um, I haven't heard back from Asus. Like, Asus showed off a 17-inch foldable OLED. Uh, I'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, but I don't know if that's Evo uh, Evo spec at this point. Nobody's confirming it. But the fact that Intel's thinking about this, the fact that, you know, they're working with uh, PC makers to build foldable devices, um, I think it's pretty interesting. You know, I talked to somebody from Intel um, basically the head of their like mobile innovation. And uh, they say a lot of PC makers are just using Intel's foldable prototype. And we've seen like glimpses of that at Computex like over yes. the past couple of years. So some of that hardware is going straight into some of these notebooks. Uh, kind of interesting that Intel is taking like a strong role here. 
Um, also, like I was really interested in like the keyboard side of things too. So Intel says part of the Evo spec, um, PC makers have to actually build a keyboard accessory for these devices. They can't force them to include like the keyboard in the box, but they're going to like strongly recommend it because they're freaking Intel. Uh, so there is, there's some really cool stuff happening there. Um, have you heard about this phone integration technology, Sherlyn? Like, I think we've, uh, we've kind of, uh, we've talked about this a little. Intel last year bought a company called Screenovate. And they're really interesting because they have developed basically the only technology that lets you mirror stuff on your iPhone. Um, so like your text messages and stuff and get data from your iPhone and bring it to Windows PC. PCs. Okay. Dell, two PCs. Like Dell used it for their mobile connect technology. Uh basically like starting a couple of years ago. So this tech has already been on systems, but now Intel owns it. And Intel also tells me like, they're going to start working on this, like getting it into Evo machines by uh, this holiday season. So the end of the year, Evo computers will have some sort of like capability to connect your iPhone, connect your Android devices to um, Android tablets could be used as secondary displays, huh. much like how Sidecar works on macOS and iPads. So there's like some interesting stuff happening here. Uh, eventually, Intel says they want to try to bring this to more PCs, but they're kind of starting with Evos. Um, do you like would that solve a big problem for you? Because you're a Windows user and now you're more of an iPhone user. And I think you're learning that there are limitations because of that, right? I, I, I hate my life, right? Ever since mm-hmm. I've adopted an iPhone as one of my main devices, although I am, again, contemplating switching over to the Pixel 6 Pro. <laughs> I'm just switching back and forth. I mean, you could just juggle, whatever. I am juggling both. Um, no, it, it is intriguing to see uh, this attempt at cross-platform integration of phone and laptop. Um, I know... The Android side of things has been easier for a while. Every computer OEM has more or less made their own version, like Samsung with the Flow stuff and Dell's Mobile Connect has always worked with Android. And there's, you know, phone to win- Windows, uh, phone to Windows on Android as well. Um, I, I love to see it. And I think it's interesting to make it a spec, like it, it, make it part of a spec to basically demand that it works. It m- might it draw away iPhone users from the Mac ecosystem. I don't think so, no, but... No. <laughs> but it would make life easier for those who yeah. are on iPhone and Windows. I think there's a and small that's section a lot of, of us. that. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of us. There's, that's me. That, that's like, yeah, I that's mean, true. I use Macs too, but also I prefer having, I prefer using iPhones. I prefer iPads over Android stuff. And on my home system, I prefer Windows. Right. So there should be more interoperability here. And yeah. I think Intel is just kind of trying to lead towards that. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the Asus 17-inch foldable <laughs> OLED. The ZenBook 17 Fold, which I think could be one of these Evo machines. Nobody's confirming yet. Okay. Uh, but it is... Uh, what's funny is that when Asus first showed this off to me, they're like, hey, look at this 12-inch ZenBook we made. It's so cute, right? It's such a cute thing. Then they took the keyboard off, and voila, it was a 17-inch <laughs> tablet kind of folded. <laughs> so they tried to have their little flair with this, it too. Cute. Um, it's cute. It is a 17-inch OLED tablet. Uh, you can fold it uh, like a book to close it completely. You can have like, you can use it with like a virtual keyboard and just have the screen kind of popping up. They also have a wireless keyboard accessory. Thank God that sits like right on the bottom half of the screen. So if you want to use it like an ultra portable, if you want to use it like on a plane or something and yeah. do some typing, you could do that too. But it can also be a big 17 inch foldable. It could be like a big magazine thing that you bend into. Um, very interesting. 
I I, th- I think like we, it looks cool. I have not yeah. touched this, but it seems we, cool. Yeah, we've we've seen Lenovo attempt something similar with the ThinkPad X1 Fold. Let's, let's yes. remind people um, mm-hmm. that one was the original version of that was chunky. It was it felt like there were parts of it yeah. that seemed like duct tape material was used. This um, looks sleeker. This looks a lot better than the X1 in Fold. the pictures. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. we'll have to see again. Like you said in person, I also want to. I saw, so I have seen people using the, okay. the prototypes. And I've seen them bend it. I've seen them open because I did like a video chat with Asus. Right. So it works. Mm-hmm. It exists. They couldn't send stuff to for us to preview, but I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. It the, sounds like they're going to be talking more in Computex, like whenever Computex okay. happens. So they're selling this thing. They plan to sell this thing. They plan, this is not a concept. This is okay. a thing that All they right. plan to sell. It has a 17.3-inch display. It's a 4 by 3 aspect ratio. Quad HD, slightly higher than Quad HD, 2560 by 1920. Mm. 90 hertz refresh rate, so it should okay. look pretty smooth, too. Um, and How much? it's OLED. Uh, I don't think... Yeah, they're not they really are, talking mm. that yet. Okay. But, yeah, they plan to tell us more around Computex in May. I don't think we'll be flying to Taiwan for Computex, unfortunately, like at this rate. But uh, hopefully we'll hear more. I'm just excited by this because it looks so much nicer than the X1 Fold. Uh, I trust Asus more. I was going to say when it comes to build quality, Asus When it comes to build quality and more like innovative hardware, like I'm sorry, Lenovo, like you're just not. You are a big step down from the old IBM. (laughs) And I think we've all noticed that. but yeah, any other thoughts on this foldable? Like, are you, would you buy a foldable like this? Cause I know you're more into foldable phones at this point. I wouldn't buy a foldable <laughs> yet. I will wait <laughs> till they're new. all, don't buy anything. No, I'll wait. Yeah, exactly. I won't buy anything first gen or even second gen in this space. I will wait till they're like Black Mirror esque in their mm. form and, 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 and finished before I consider dropping money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we get there. And uh, let's talk about the most interesting notebook i saw at ces this year and that is the xps 13 your favorite favorite series every time we say the words dell xps we love love the xps 13 oh give me all um, um, give me more uh (laughs) and i went to a preview with dell ahead of ces in new york so like thankfully i made it there before like this big wave of omicron and everything um but we got to see this computer in person and uh it looks beautiful like it just looks really really nice it has what dell calls a lattice free keyboard so there's like none of the like stuff in between the keys it is just like all keyboard edge to edge nice it's big not island caps. style yeah not island style right 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 um it is just like big beautiful keys too like they made the keys larger the trackpad is integrated into the wrist rest so the entire like wrist rest section is glass um in the way a typical glass trackpad is but it's like not demarcated. It's just like there in the middle and you can start using it. I think that could be a usability issue, but we'll talk more about that. Um, it is a little thicker and heavier than the normal XPS 13, and that's still sticking around. This thing is going to weigh like 3.8 pounds, I believe they said. It's also going to have like 28 watt uh, Intel CPUs. So fast, more powerful CPUs than the 15 watt-ish versions that were in the XPS 13 so far. Basically, this looks like if Dell just like went back to the drawing board and was like, Give me a sleek, modern, ultra-portable. What would it look like? It would probably look like this, because this thing has the Infinity Edge screen. It just looks so clean and beautiful and minimalist. Like, I needed to touch it as as soon as we saw these things. 
how did it strike you at the first time, Shirley? I, uh, when I saw this, I, I was happy to see the design. I think I even straight up said to the Dell executives there that I was like, oh, okay, if there was one thing I've been complaining about the XPS line is that your design has kind of become very um, expected. It hasn't changed much. It hasn't yeah. changed much. But this yeah. represents sort of a departure from that that to me bland design by now um but no this is new and this is nice and i love the design i'm i'm a little hesitant about the keyboard i like yep. my island style keys i, I think you'll be fine with the keyboard because we we did some testing we on did it. test yeah, yeah. it was fine to mm-hmm. type on i was like i was a little cautious but i was like oh okay i can type on this um, I mean, the, there are some usability issues here the keyboard is like bigger keys are good i don't think we'll miss yes. the islands but what we may miss is having like a clear demarcation on the trackpad of like yeah. where that sucker is. Cause even when we were like testing it, I was like, there were points where we're like, okay, am I, is it, is it you here? Ran out of, is it, right. Am I left clicking? Right. Am I right clicking? It's also a haptic trackpad. So right. you, it's not even physically moving. It's like a, resi- it's like a, a bump under the key that is happening there. It's sometimes hard to tell the difference between left and right clicks, which could be really annoying in windows. So to me, that's a, that's a potentially big issue. And then there's the biggest issue of all. This thing has no headphone jack. No (laughs) headphone jack. Why? How dare they? How This thing is bigger than the XPS 13, which has a headphone jack. Yeah. And Del was just like, nah, nah, bro. No, thanks. It's the plus. It's for the people who want this this beefier, high-performance machine. And they probably expect (laughs) that these people have wireless headsets, I guess. Sure, sure. I mean, if you want to be your, I also expect like, and I brought this up with Dell and this is one of the nice privileges I think we have is like, I could sit there face to face with the designer and be like, why, why did you do this? And Dell was just like, um, they're like, Hey, uh, uh, look at what's happening with phones. You know, (laughs) phones are losing headphone jacks. And I'm like, I almost started shouting at them. It was like, that's completely different. You're you walk around with your phone, you know, you're out and about in the world. You're not like tied to a desk. Um, I, I think a lot of people, especially PC users, you probably have like a wired headphone just sitting around by your desk. You know, you're not moving with the computer. You don't need the freedom of movement and everything. Um, and sure, you could use wireless headphones with Windows. They don't connect as easily as they do with phones like Windows Bluetooth stuff is just really annoying changing audio devices is not great and also swapping like try having a bluetooth headset headset connected to your pc and then hop it over to your phone it is a nightmare like it's a nightmare to juggle that connection too so as opposed to just like plug in a port just just plug it in i don't i don't know i'm very frustrated by this because it's like dell gave us the best looking ultra portable i've ever seen the ultra portable of my dreams and then it's like that Twilight Zone episode <laughs> where it's like you get everything you want and not like the thing you really need. Um, so, yeah, no headphone jack. Also, no other ports. Uh, it has two USB-C ports, uh, no micro SD card slot, like nothing else. They're going for clean minimalism. I d- are you guys as angry about this as I am? Because uh, I was also looking at other coverage of this thing and some people didn't even mention that it doesn't have a headphone jack. And I thought... I felt like I was going crazy because I thought at the very least we can expect our laptops to have headphone jacks for a while. They're so useful. They're so useful. How do you feel, Sherlyn? A few things that I I will bring up from the live stream chat right now, which is um, someone mentioned that latency on wireless headphones is also an issue. So for this, you know. Yeah, Windows and Bluetooth is not like simple. It is not as stable as it is on phones. Like that's that's a fact. Yeah. 
Sandeep McCall says that they still hate that mobile phones don't have headphone jacks. Yes, don't forget. Don't just point to mobile phones as like an example. Remember that people don't didn't like that decision. And then finally, there was uh, Hanbei, I believe, that said no function key available is also bad. Now, one thing I do want to point out in they're response to that, mm-hmm. there is an up top, there is a row of function keys, but they're all touch. Um, they're capacitive touch keys. I don't... I don't miss those because I I do touch typing. Like I do a lot of touch typing, but I don't like touch function keys because they're always in such weird spots and you got to look down. You got to look down at your function keys. Um, I think for people who may touch type with function keys, that could be a problem. I also think like it, Dell's really going for simplicity and beauty here. So losing a whole row of keys and just making that a capacitive row that can switch between F keys and also like uh, shortcut keys for like media and stuff. Like you hit a button and like they change. It looks really nice and it looked like to me that is the least of the like big usability concerns here. Um the big concerns are goddamn headphone jack and um that trackpad. I think people are gonna be really annoyed at using that trackpad too. And I look at this and I look at like decisions Apple has made in terms of its new laptops and stuff too. And I'm sure I'm sure Johnny Ive and his like uh his crew were like Let's kill that headphone jack. Let's just let's just do it like like we're doing with everything else. And I think even the like super small twelve inch MacBook that still had a headphone jack, right? I believe like, so. The like really really small one. So if Apple can make that work on such a tiny MacBook, um, I don't understand why Dell can't do it here. They said it was for heating reasons. They said like the way they designed the motherboard basically didn't leave room for a headphone module. I I don't know. I, I can't. I can't accept the fact that they didn't have room for it on a machine that is nearly four pounds. Uh, or I got to like look up this weight again. But You said 3.8, is, yeah. Is it 3.8 or is it 2.8? Sorry. I'm going to look this back up. Uh, but yeah, it... Uh, it Look, I, I get yeah. that this is a different design and Dell mm-hmm. is trying something different. I applaud that. But yeah, no, this is a controversial decision that seemed like a lot of other publications might have missed. Mm-hmm. I think it is. 2.7 pounds, by the way. This is 2.7 so pounds. it's close so to the, three. Okay. The XPS 13 is like 2.6. So it's a little okay. heavier than that. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult thing to justify. We'll have to get one in and test out, I think, to see all we these will, usability issues. Yeah. But let, let me, I mean, you, you review phone, Sherlin, and you know, yes. like, okay. I can I can buy the fact that you cannot fit a headphone module in because right. you've got such little space in a phone, right? You need space for batteries, you need space for bigger cameras and stuff. Um, whereas on an ultra portable, you're like, you've got so much space. Just use it more wisely. Do something. I even begged them, like, okay, are you gonna include a USB C to headphone jack converter? And they like kind of shrugged. Ooh. So I don't there's there's a lot of frustrating things happening yeah, with this machine. No boy. Yeah. Yeah. No bueno. I well, am. I yeah. One no thing bueno. I can you know uh, tell you right now that might seem like good news to you when you were talking about how it is difficult to pair Bluetooth headsets to Windows, mm-hmm. right? Um, there might be some something on the way that could help that. Uh, Google. <laughs> Had a bunch of news, the CES, um, and it's all about making Android work easier um, with non-Apple devices. So basically, Google's news at CES was uh, around updates to its existing fast pair and nearby share technologies. But if you take the whole set of news, more than a dozen updates that Google announced at CES 2022, it seems like Google just wants to make the non-Apple world as sort of seamless and easy to interact between devices as it is for Apple users. So think of things like AirPlay, AirDrop, 
air transfer. No, that's they should have been doing this for for years. Yes, I don't. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good to hear it's happening. Yeah. So, so well, it's happening with to me some caveats, right? A lot of the, this okay. news is happening over the next few weeks, months, and later this year. So, one of the things it's doing is yes. So, fast pair is coming to things like TV. So, eventually, your Pixel Buds or supported fast pair devices doesn't just have to be Google first devices, right? Uh, can eventually show up when your TV detects it in the area, in a similar way that the Apple TV now can recognize your Apple Watches in the area and let you do things like fitness plus um, um, functions. And then um, between the mo most intriguing thing to me is that FastPair is going to come to Windows PC soon to make it easier to connect your Android phone to Windows PCs and then through that connection, set up your connected Bluetooth headphones or your Wi-Fi passwords, port over what's already connected to your phone to your PC more easily. Um, but it's, it, that's just going to throw over the the profiles, right? It's not going to let you like have a Bluetooth headphone and be able to use it from your phone and PC at the same time. Well, there is also an update coming uh, about audio switching, um, which is where, you know how Apple users, if they have AirPods uh, connected to their iPad and their phone and their Mac, they can switch very easily. Um, Google says a similar situation is going to um a similar update is going to come where if you have a compatible headset paired to an Android tablet and a phone and you're watching a movie on the tablet and then a call comes on your phone, the system yeah. will be smart enough to pause your movie on the tablet, automatically switch the audio over to your call so you sure. can hear the ringing and you can sure. answer. And then when you hang up, it can go right back. So that's that's what they're saying is is That's coming. what they're saying. I feel like when we hear the stuff from these tech companies, it's like it's like you're at the horse races, right? And you're like, okay, who are you going to bet on? Who are you going to bet on to actually deliver uh, this uh, uh, Google? And I'm like, I I don't know. Look, I get yeah. the I get the skepticism, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Google also has you know issues with its own track record of rolling out new features without bugs, but it is ultimately coming. Like I, I feel like if they're saying it's going to well, I don't know. I feel yeah, like there is also a Google graveyard for a reason. So it's like there's a okay. Google graveyard. Yeah, they, I want to see them bring out. I want to see them bring out. I would love to see it. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. and then we and then we go from there and see how that rollout happens. But basically, at CES 2022, Google's news was that look, we want to play nice with everyone out there except for people who don't want to play nice with us, I guess. Mm -hmm. and, um, except for so, Apple, yeah. AKA Apple. Um, so basically everyone who shows up at CES, which is not Apple. Um, so you can always go on to Engadget.com to read my uh, article on this comprehensive set of updates that includes things like Phone Hub on Chromebooks. So if you have Chromebooks and Android phones, they're going to work a lot better together. Um, you can keep your you know Chromebook unlocked if you have a Wear OS 3 watch nearby. Very similar stuff to Apple. And then, you know, cars are also getting some updates. Android Auto is getting some updates. Um, but yeah, what I'm saying is mm -hmm. Google is aware Something. that, yeah, there is a, a, there is a, this seamless interplay between Apple devices that Apple users enjoy that some of us on the Windows and Android side of things can only look on and envy. And it seems to be bringing that over. Are they uh, Are they working with Microsoft at all? I think like to do this, you have to... You have to get Microsoft on board. It's it's actually surprisingly working with uh, laptop makers like Acer and HP and Intel um, to bring FastPair to Windows PCs. So when you talked about that spec of um, you know allowing I, that iPhone phone connection with a yep. mobile connect, yeah, I feel like this 
thing might eventually make it into a spec with Intel. That would make but sense. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And let's be clear, like the whole reason Apple can have this like wonderful ecosystem and like better pairing is because they built their own freaking wireless chip. So like their H1 chip is is the magic key that lets you go from like, okay, AirPods to iPhone, AirPods to MacBook and go back and forth like almost seamlessly. Um, you can't, yeah, it's going to need a lot of work and a lot of cooperation for PC folks to do that. Oh, but yeah. hey. Give it, give it a shot, Intel. Uh, Shirley, anything you want to mention in terms of like phones? Because there, there was like a little bit of phone. News, yeah. Right? So speaking of Android, am I right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> there were a couple of phones at this show, and CES is traditionally not a big phone show. Why? Because MWC is right around the corner, so not a lot of phones show up at CES. But Samsung did re- unveil the Galaxy S21 FE or the fan edition. We've been waiting for this device for a while. And it's very funny that they announced it now when the S22 is presumably very close to launching. Usually last year it launched right after CES. This year we haven't really heard anything, but it should be by February, we think. So for the S21 FE, it's basically last year's S21 Um with a slightly bigger screen, same processor, same 120 hertz refresh rate, selling for $700. It's got like a triple camera system that's a little not as good as the S21s. Um, and then it's got like, you know, relatively bigger battery to match that bigger screen. It doesn't have S Pen support. There's just, there's, it's, it's, it's an S21 FE. It's like what you'd expect. It's like last year's S20 FE, except for this year. <laughs> and, um, you know, it doesn't have that same beautiful, I, I found beautiful design of the S21 where it was like a lavender body with like a rose gold contour cut housing for the camera module on the back this series the s21 is more like color matched and it's less shiny so it it, to me feels less attractive but it's still a decent phone for 700 dollars. the huge caveat is that the pixel 6 starts at 600 dollars. yeah and offers you a way better camera system and just really good software so this phone just feels like it was announced at the wrong time in my opinion and then there's another phone, the OnePlus 10 Pro. Uh, <laughs> I This is a OnePlus 10 Pro. That's really all I'm going to say about it because <laughs> I am another so OnePlus. annoyed. I am so annoyed at OnePlus for the way they chose to like structure their embargo around this. So on day one, you can tell people that there's a new phone. On day two, you can tell people some of the specs. On day three, you can tell people more of the specs. I'm like, no, I'm not playing your no. damn game. Yeah. I'm just going to tell people there's a new phone and y'all can go to Engadget.com to check the specs out. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's it for CES phones, y'all. <laughs> That's it for CES phones. Okay, well, I'm going to take a breather here because it, it feels like yeah. <laughs> at some point in the middle of CES, we just we just got to like step back and uh, look at look at the, I don't know, the, the terror in front of us. Mm. Uh, but let's move on to some weird gadgets. And okay. I feel like this is where... This is where CES really shines, right? So one of the weirdest things I think we've seen is Samsung's curved 55-inch Odyssey Arc monitor. Um, This this thing has like one of the most extreme curves I've ever seen in a monitor. Um, Just like a bit, it's almost like a half moon. It's just like a big semicircle meant to like envelope you in uh, in your gaming while you're playing it. This is also a 55-inch. it's a 55-inch screen, so having mm. the curve kind of deeper in means it takes up less desk space. What's also interesting is that it can rotate 
into mm. a 55 inch portrait sized monitor. And just looking at photos of this, it's like, yeah, imagine if you took your TV and just turned it into portrait and then it became like this crazy, uh, crazy tall screen for zooming yeah. and also for playing games and stuff at the same time. It is uh it is wild. Samsung has been going really hard on like super wide and super uh intriguing monitors for a while. Uh this one is 16 by 9, so it's like a normal widescreen. It's just the curve is wild, the screen itself is so wild. Um it's quantum it's a quantum dot mini LED display, so it should be pretty bright and good looking too. Uh but yeah, just just kind of interesting about like what's going on there. Yeah. It's for sure eye-catching, yeah. And also something else I want to bring up, too, is uh, Samsung showed off something called the Freestyle, which is a portable projector. It looks really cute. It looks like a cute little like Pixar character, really. Um, actually, it looks a lot like that Pixar lamp that is at the beginning of every one of their oh, yeah. movies. But um, it's a portable projector. It weighs like 1.83 pounds. But the cool thing is it automatically focuses and automatically levels your image. And that is interesting because... Anybody who's played with projectors before, like getting the setup right is the most annoying part, like making sure everything is straight, making sure like everything looks correct. Uh, Samsung says this thing should be able to do that um, on its own. We have not tested it. I have not seen it in action, Uh, but it should be able to spit out like 30 to 100 inches of 1080p content. Uh, This is cool. I like projectors. I think you could do a lot with like projector technology. Say you have an office, like right now I'm in an office, I have a big blank wall next to me, Um, having a projector like this, I could just flip that on and have like a big screen of something happening rather than installing a TV to the wall, you know, and then I could take this sort of thing to the backyard and put in like an outdoor screen or something, or just hang a blanket from something outside and have like a decent, you know, a decent screen for watching movies with the kids outside. So it's cool. I like portable projectors. what, What do you think of this sucker? I, I, I thought it was interesting, and I'm not the hugest projector girl. I w- wanted to get, like, a nice projector when I was thinking not a TV instead, of, you know, for for my home. But, I mean, this is the sort of thing you'd have to see in person, too, right? Like, how bright does it get and all of that stuff. Um, It's it's nice. Good for you, Samsung. It's, nice. it's good for you, Samsung. And, hey, the thing, one other Samsung thing, which I didn't put a link in here for, um, but it is uh, the thing we talked about last week quantum dot oled uh samsung announced their quantum dot display technology which is going to be powering um i believe sony's already using it for some tvs so sony has already announced quantum dot tvs go listen back to our last episode to like figure out what that is but basically oleds with better color range and color brightness um it is it's interesting it's interesting that Samsung, of all companies, the company that has kind of ignored big screen OLEDs because they've been building small OLEDs for tablets and phones for a while, but they've ignored big screen OLED. Now they're going to have potentially the best OLED technology. That's really, really interesting to me. So, you know, something we'll uh, we'll be talking about. I mean, speaking of Samsung's OLEDs, really quickly, I want to slide in here and just say Samsung also had a separate event under the Samsung display branch where it showed off a bunch of different folding screens and like concept e devices so it had like a a trifold like a double fold uh, concept OLED where you know it does that Z shaped fold thing and then also sliding screen slidables um and you know we did they didn't really have the most concerted uh, PR effort on this so it's not like we got all of the information yeah. we have a yep. lot of videos of it um it does look interesting intriguing 
Um, but yeah, no, you can go to Engadget.com for like all the details on that. Speaking of weird, wild things, uh, Razor, of course, uses CES to show off some of its crazy concepts. And this year, they showed off a a table, a gaming table. <laughs> it is a it is a table that basically houses your all of your PC hardware. I believe you could just like plug in all your hardware there, so it's basically a giant PC case. But it's also a sixty five inch. It has a sixty five inch OLED screen. Uh, it's supposed Whoa. to be modular, so you can like you know swap things in and out. Um, it's a glass tabletop surface. It's called Project Sophia. So I love it because my Aww. daughter's name is Sophia. Uh, is really cool, uh, but it also seems like one of those things that will never actually exist at any point. Um, something that may exist a little more is the crazy chair. Um, so that is Project Enki. That's a three ninety nine gaming chair um that looks really comfortable and it has built-in haptics so uh they partnered with dbox that company that built the stupid like haptics chairs uh, for theaters so it has some of the dbox technology it'll support 2200 games of course the chair will have rgb lighting um for 399 that's actually not too bad to have like a decent comfortable gaming chair because a lot of them cost over 500 Some of the best ones cost over $1,000. So pretty decent pricing for a Razer. But I think you were intrigued by some other things, Shalyn. I, um, my, one of my categories at CES is wearables and Razer pushed out two of them. Um, one is the Zephyr Pro Mask. Uh, the Zephyr original uh, was launched, I believe, last year. Um as sort of a like a follow through on a concept called Project Hazel, uh, eventually Razer did end up making this mask cost a hundred dollars at the time, and it offered things like, well, first of all, it looks like the mask Bane wears, but with yeah. RGB lighting because why not? <laughs> but it also has dual fan active filtration system with N95 filters. Um, mm-hmm. The pro and it's model, transparent, so you can see somebody's face, which is yeah, cute, which too. is mm-hmm. which you know, you, Bane also wants his expressions red. I don't know, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the pro model that was announced to CES adds voice amplification, so that people yes. can hear more clearly. I think that is really a useful thing to add, but it's also important to note that. Uh, Razer isn't the only company to do this. LG did the same update to its smart mask um, that it also unveiled around CES time. So it looks like smart masks might be here cool. and here to I stay. I wish uh, if these are really smart masks, like give me like voice modulation. You know, like oh, give me, you really want to let me turn on like villain. Darth Vader mode on my <laughs> mask, and then yeah, let's let's okay. go all the way. Let's not go halfway. Um, let's go all the way. Yeah, I, I, I look the the rate the Zephyr Pro is supposed to amplify your voice by up to sixty decibels. Uh, That's so you can too be loud. I know, up yeah. to one meter away. It's basically like a megaphone on your mask. It's pretty cool. Oh man, I'm thinking <laughs> of uh, there is there is a Venture Brothers character who is basically Ooh. a villain who shouts everything because that's that's all he can do. Uh, our producer, Ben, is also pointing out uh, ex- it's better for accessibility, too, because you, can, for you could do some lip reading. For transparency. Uh, deaf people can do lip reading with it, too. So that's kind of nice. Well, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd need to see, I'd need to see um, how transparent this mask is and if anything There, there are photos. The there are photos of, like, I, you see yeah, people's Yeah, the mouths. photos yeah. look 
the one that I'm seeing looks like it's a fully black mask, but uh, yeah, no, for sure. Because it's against we a can, black background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if we can see uh, someone's mouth, for sure, if people do lip reading, that's great. It looks um, pretty good. And like your your mouth is like lighted up too. So it's a... Uh, the the real thing is, I don't know, are we ready to walk out into society with these spaceship masks? I mean, the I pandemic's would. still happening. We're It's still awful. Um, maybe around New York, too, like you guys having stuff like this makes more sense. Down here, it is really hard, like outside, outside of Atlanta. Uh, it's I, I'm happy if somebody's wearing a mask, like any mask, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, there. Here, also, there apparently... There's a photo in our live stream of a cool yeah. bro in a hoodie. <laughs> Apparently, like, it's better to wear the, like, medical masks that are disposable anyway. Uh, anyway, I'm going to continue with Razor's news. The one last thing that was on my radar that they announced is the other wearable, uh, the Razor X Fossil Gen 6 smartwatch. This is basically Fossil's Gen 6 smartwatch, but there's a Razor version now. And what would you expect from a Razor version if not uh, uh, green, green and RGB? Yeah. Yeah. And That's RGB. That's all I expect. And you have those two things. There you go. It otherwise, is a very box standard Wear OS watch. It's not even Wear OS three yet, but it will get that update eventually. <laughs> I can't game on my Razer watch. You like, can't come game on. on your Razer watch, bro. So, so there you go. Um, no, the, the Razer showed up, right? It always does. So there you go. So, in addition to all of Razer's concepts, we saw some stuff from Dell. Two, uh, one thing I want to shout out is the Alienware concept Nix, which mm. is a we. <laughs> I don't know. It's a Plex server for your games. And the <laughs> idea is like you'll have a big ass server in your house that is powerful enough to push games to your TVs and all of your devices locally. So it's basically like local game streaming. And uh, Sherlyn, you and I, we sat on a couch yep. uh, playing two different games. I played Cyberpunk on one half of the TV. You played Rocket League, I believe. And um, it was fine. Like <laughs> it, it, it's a fine proof of concept, but. You know, uh, Dell is showing off these images of like, oh, somebody's full screening a game on one side and full screening another game on the other. And no, we we were playing them in like little tiny, like 16 by nine boxes, you know, right, so it right. was like a 60 inch TV. But the actual game window is really small because they didn't have the tech for splitting it up properly. Uh, I don't think people will be playing two games on a single TV and maybe if they got the tech better, who knows? Um, it's but also more it's, for like, it's more for like partners who are playing different games yeah. at the same time in the same yeah. household or something or, or siblings or something, right? Or like, siblings. It's uh, how are you going to make the audio work? Like, is it, you know, how are you going to split the audio? I also don't know if like anybody needs this, right? If maybe 10 years ago, Dell was like, here's a server that brings all your games to your house. Sure, sounds good. Now um, I hit a button and I log on to my Xbox, you know, Game Pass streaming, which has pretty good, you know, pretty good latency, even though it's streaming from a server hundreds of miles away. So this concept seems a little late. I don't think anybody's going to want to buy this big hardware because the beat of game streaming is that you have no hardware. You're just like, hey, I'm playing a game in the cloud. Um, and also like PC gamers, like you can take a game. If you have a Steam gaming PC right now, you could hit a button and stream your game to another device, including an Apple TV, because Steam has built-in game streaming. So it's kind of like that, except worse, and I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. Uh, kind of a cool concept. Uh, you saw a couple concepts, too, from Dell Sherlin. Like, do you, did you want to yeah. shout any of those out? 
Uh, we talked about this maybe in an earlier episode. The concept parry was that wireless magnetic webcam that would stick to the monitor of compatible screens so you can have like eye-level gaze um, on your Zoom calls. I thought that was pretty cool. There's also Project or Concept Luna, which is about sustainability as well, where Dell's envisioning this repairable, almost modular laptop that when it breaks, you can just take out the part that's broken and then send that in for a replacement as opposed to like just getting rid of your whole computer altogether is it's just much better for the environment if we we were able to target and pinpoint what parts we could replace um but you know it's those are just two concepts so i don't know that dell's following through on either of them just yet Mm -hmm. we'll have to see like a lot of concepts we'll have to you know we'll have to see there's some weird stuff happening i mean dell also showed off an egpu as well i'm like bro you you have (laughs) failed the egpus already and you're making this one complicated more complicated more expensive i don't know uh, maybe I did too much yelling at the Dell people, so I hope uh, <laughs> I hope they still like us. Um, Sony, let's talk about some car stuff. Oh real yeah, quick. Sony surprised us, and they were like, "Oh yeah, hey, remember that Vision electric car we showed off uh, two years ago? I sat in that thing. Um, it's really cool. Has some really cool software." But they're like, "No, no, no, we're never going to build a car." Flash forward to this year, and Sony's like, "Here's the Vision S02 electric SUV. We are going to be selling this." or at least planning to sell it, they're actually going to start a whole new division called Sony Mobility. Uh, it'll be a whole new operating company uh, starting at this spring, and they're going to start like playing around in the EV market. It may sound ridiculous, but guys, like those those rumors of Apple building a car yeah. and just looking at what I'm seeing now of like these car companies and how Tesla came in and kind of blew everybody out of the water, there's a lot of room for a company like Sony or Apple to kind of come in and just be like, hey, okay, we will buy up like a a little car maker or something, like implement that tech, bring their experience into something. And uh, the Vision car I sat in was really cool. I'm really interested in car tech right now as well. So we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, But I am intrigued by this because uh, I think the way our car industry works right now is kind of broken. It deserves to be like, it, it needs a kick in the pants. And uh, speaking of cars, it, BMW showed off something really oh cool God. too. An e-ink based uh, car covering that can change <laughs> colors. It looks absolutely wild. There were some, uh, it's called the BMW iX Flow. Uh, there were videos of this floating around on Twitter. But basically like this car changes from like black to light gray in real time, almost white. Uh, Those are among the most popular car colors too. So that's kind of cool. The entire thing is basically a giant e-ink surface. So just like your Kindle, the way your Kindle turns pages, this thing changes colors. I'm super intrigued by this, but also I'm so wary of any like weird car tech that (laughs) if you bump somebody, you have a little accident and it costs you $5,000 to fix. No, thanks. That's not the way these things should work. Yeah. Also, some of the hot takes I saw on Twitter were like, oh, can it display ads? Like, what is going to, what is this thing going to do? Yeah, that's what's it meant to do? What's the purpose of this in addition to just like offering you a different aesthetic (laughs) option when you're feeling a different Watching it, their videos of it changing in real time is sort of like, it's sort of like um, an animal, right? It's sort of like the way a chameleon changes colors or like even some camouflage. Yeah, a little bit. So imagine like, oh, you're, Imagine it's like super bright out or something like, okay, I want a darker color to like not reflect as much light or something. Or if you want your car to change uh, kind of shade throughout the day, maybe a lighter color at night. So you're more reflective. That's kind of cool. Or a shadier 
shadier, shadier purpose, better. which is to like, can can they make cars? Can it become dark <laughs> at night and then like you know so white when you're driving on snow that it basically sure can't, like is this a villain that's car in great. the making? Why that's not why why are you doing? I know this? I, you don't want to. You're trying you to cause yeah. accidents. I know you don't want to cause accidents. I agree, but you also yeah. can think of people using this in odd, different, bad ways. I don't know. I I'm just definitely, like all definitely. right, cool. But I like. I like display tech, but the the if you look at any like dystopian science fiction thing, it is all about the way displays like kind of ruin society. You know, like it, it is the giant projections in Blade Runner. It's the like ads that read your eyeballs in Minority Report. So, hey, let's just let's slow down a little. I just I just think it's kind of cool. So I want to well, throw that well, out there. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the smaller weird things that uh-huh. <laughs> happen at CES. There is a company called Ybrush. <laughs> it's more like Y W H Y. Actually, it's the letter Y dash brush. Uh-huh. It has offered. Uh, it's shown off at CES 2022 as a concept for a second generation device. Now, the original Y brush was already this like. Yeah, a Y-shaped toothbrush. Uh-huh. It's a retainer. It's, like a, it's a retainer. It's a retainer yeah. with bre- with bristles. With a yeah. motor handle like attached to it, right? And then you stick this thing in your mouth and you just turn it no. on and it just brushes no. your teeth for you. Again, again, all this stuff we've seen in dystopian science fiction. I think this was in Futurama where like the yeah. maybe the first episode where they like rebuilt Fry and just like the robots like shoving something in your face to clean you. Uh, right. It, it seems just like that. Like okay, a one-shot cool. cleaner, yeah. So anyway, the second-gen version just has, like, stronger motors and, like, a beefier base for charging and that sort of stuff. But anyway, it's just, it, it's just wild. It's the point, like, hands-free toothbrushing, so your hands will be free to keep, no. like, phone, phoning uh-uh, and stuff? It's, well, uh-huh. maybe, but I think it's more that, like, you know, like, how the conventional wisdom is you have to brush your teeth for, like, a certain amount of time right, every right. day? Two minutes. This is, two yeah, minutes, two yeah. minutes. This is uh, 10 seconds. It'll get it all done. So I think it's convenient. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> maybe convenience, but it's also like how how fast is that vibration? Like, is that a drill in your it's face? It's like good luck uh, to your gums. R.I.P. Good your luck gums. to your gums. Uh, yeah, I know Dan. Did you say Dan? I was saying Dan Cooper at Engadget has yeah. been covering this because I think he covered yeah. the first one. So it's like yeah. he is the guy we will call on to do an in person demo, and we'll make a oh, yeah. talk of it. Yeah, R.I.P. His gums. But one thing that. I would like to test for myself a really quick shout out to the L'Oreal Color Sonic at home hair color device. L'Oreal mm. always does something really interesting at CES every year. Um, and this year it did a color changing device, uh, color ha- hair color device at home. Normally at CES, I'd be able to check this out in person. I haven't yet, but I think it's a cool idea. Check out the mm-hmm. Engadget.com article on this for the info. Let's just round out some quick news from CES. Uh, Sony, out of nowhere, confirmed the PlayStation VR 2, the next version of its VR headset. It's going to be for the PlayStation 5. We don't have, like, we still don't have many details. We don't know when it's coming. Uh, We don't know pricing or anything, but they did give us some specs. It has a display resolution of 2000 by 2040 pixels per eye. It has a 110 degree field of view, 90 to 120 hertz frame rates, and supports 4K HDR. It's also going to have inside out tracking. So that means you don't need to have like the little stupid Sony PlayStation camera, which the old one needed. Like the old PlayStation VR needed so much hardware to set up. It was such a pain. But once you got it done, it was actually pretty impressive for what they got from a PlayStation 4. Um, it's And there are going to be new controllers as well, as you can expect. So I'm, I'm excited. 
I'm also like wondering like what the hell is Microsoft doing because the Xbox Series X and even a bit of a Series a Series S could do some uh, could do VR if they wanted. And they're just like absolutely ignoring it. Uh, Sherlyn, do you want to talk about BlackBerry for a quick yeah, second? Yeah, uh, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. BlackBerry. R. I. P. This week, uh, a lot of BlackBerry OS devices basically died. <laughs> um, January fourth, BB OS is dead for good uh i think it started sort of with bbm even a little earlier a little before bbm was like a couple years ago yeah like there were things that died the app store bbm died but now like key key services like phone calls texting (laughs) data emergency 911 all gone gone. i will really quickly shout out because some of my i went to singapore and a lot of people actually use these blackberry devices with the keyboards they love the key too and they're all hanging on to it some of my family members are like holding on to their blackberry key twos because they badly and that runs android so that those devices aren't actually dead but the bbos devices r.i.p my family members were very sad and i'm sorry were you do you have any memories attached to blackberries I really I'm not BBOS. Yeah. I didn't do BBOS. Yeah. I was always a Nokia and a Symbian girl. Um, so mm-hmm. there you have it. There you have it. I mean, BlackBerry, by the time Blackberries got big, like they weren't cool. They were for like IT people Work and people only, in big yeah. corporate jobs. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, hey, that was a big deal. I do remember like one of my first CESs, I had dinner with Rim and I also had dinner with Nokia, like dinner oh, with yeah. two dying dinosaurs, basically. <laughs> And they were just so oblivious to everything happening. It was kind of uh, it was kind of amazing. So oh, thank you for the steak, Nokia. I'm sorry that everything yeah. I told you would happen happened. happened. Yeah, it's a shame. Aww. It's a shame. Uh, R.I.P. BlackBerry. Uh, R.I.P. It died so other devices could live. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, and quick shout out to anybody who was listening to our past few episodes. I talked about my adventures in car buying. Uh, I, I did settle on something. I'll be getting the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid minivan, the 2018 model. We've actually reviewed that and Gadget to Robbie Baldwin reviewed that for us a couple of years ago. So check it out. It's uh, it's really cool. I wanted a bit of electricity. I was really tempted to just be like, I, that Volvo XC90, I could just get that used and it would be so nice. It would be so luxe, like the most luxury uh, my daughter and certainly I have ever seen in a car. Uh, but my better demons, uh, my better angels, <laughs> they're probably better demons at this point. My better angels were like, no, 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 just don't 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 go for a gas guzzler. Let's wait a couple of years. So I am I'll be talking to you guys about this car and uh, it has a lot of cool features. It's like 30 miles of EV, has a lot of cool safety tech. So we'll be talking about that. Very cool. Let's move on to our picks of the week. What is what I think it's both of our picks. Both of our pick this week. Yeah. We both saw uh, recently the Matrix Resurrections. Hey. Yay. I will admit. (laughs) So I saw this completely sober. (laughs) But for this is a disclaimer I have to make. I mean, sure, that's the way to see this movie. Yeah, but for for the first, like, 20 minutes, I was so confused. I was like, wait, what is going on? It just throws you in there of just like, oh, we are are just messing with your head. And hey, that's... It's what I want. Give me, give me more of that. I was like, but it, it drew me in, right? Yeah, in a good way. Mm-hmm. But I also was the first time I saw Tenet. I think people know I was not sober when I saw Tenet the first time. So I had like a similar, not as good a movie. Not as good a movie. Uh, definitely not. But yeah. I definitely had a similar situation of going, what the hell is going on for a long time? And then and then I yeah. understood. And then I was like, okay, they're not 
where I think they are or that this some some sort of events have happened. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. But for me, as a Sense8 fan, I really enjoyed Matrix Resurrections. But so I'll, many Sense8 people, yeah. Basically, an entire cell. <laughs> Except Sense8's Duna Bay, like Duna Bay was not there. Hey Duna was not did. there. Yeah. Uh, Kala uh, was not there. But they did replace them with one Asian actress and one <laughs> South Asian actress. I was like, all right, <laughs> there cool. Two, I mean, uh, like a <laughs> world Chopra, star, like Priyanka Chopra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Like her. yeah. She's not just um, an actress, but yeah, she's not the best actress. But I think she did. She did perfectly fine. She did in fine. This movie. Yeah. 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 Did you like it? I, I freaking loved it. I yeah. I was fully on board. So I saw this in a press screening on like the in the middle of December. So I was like hyped up before everybody else. And then mm. it slowly dawned on me that not everybody else was as hyped about this movie. I was like, whatever, whatever, yeah. guys. Uh, it yeah. is it is a really smart um, meditation on like what being a major franchise like this is. It's also like it's handling a lot of things, um, you know. Uh, Lily, which uh, not Lily, Lana, which working on her own, uh, on her own, uh, talked about this being a way to deal with the grief of losing her parents and everything. And I also think, um, I'm not gonna go too deep into spoilers here, but I think it is a good thing the way it brings back certain characters because I would rather have those characters have a better ending than they had in the Matrix Revolutions. I'm a big Matrix fan, but I've talked about this before, and I think this is a smart, uh, you know, way to continue the story. I love the more we get more details and like what the humans are up to and how the humans and machines are kind of coexisting. And that always seemed yeah. like a big blind spot in the original series, because right. uh, here, here's my hot take on the Matrix. The machines were right. The machines <laughs> were right. If you go back and watch like the uh, was it the the second revolution? Uh, if you watch some of the Animatrix stuff. Uh, basically, humans sucked. Humans <laughs> abused these machines. The machines were like, no, no, no. We're going to go start our own country. And then then the machine's country started doing better than humans. So, like, they were so good at making things that it tanked the human economy. And all the humans were like, nah, bro, we're going to have to bomb you now. And they bombed the hell. Like, they. that's when they literally waged war on this Middle Eastern <laughs> robot country. And uh, then everything happened. Then the world ended because humans didn't like being beaten by the machine. So anyway, I think Resurrections <laughs> kind of deals with a lot of that stuff. Uh, I'm looking around at the world right now and seeing what happens when uh, some countries don't like the way other countries do things. And uh, sometimes it makes me think like, man, we are just doomed to repeat some of these things. Uh, I love this movie. I think Keanu yeah. Reeves is great. Carrie Ann Moss is fantastic. She's always yeah. been the heart of this series. The action isn't this good? I think uh, Lana Wachowski has talked about like she is approaching it differently now. Like before, they would like storyboard everything, like draw mm-hmm. everything out, like individual frames, so they would look like comic book, you know, comic book imagery. Right. Now it's more like they shoot action and she's shooting it like handheld, a little more like mm-hmm. a little more free form to kind of get everything. It doesn't have the big set pieces of like revolutions or even mm-hmm. reloaded. Like reloaded, the the highway chase is like one of the best things ever. But it has a lot of heart. I love the characters and I love the like Neo and Trinity relationship. Hey guys, they basically made a before sunset movie in the matrix (laughs) and I love it. I love that. So yeah, I like the meta part of it and in, yeah, no, it's a fun ride. I think it's just, it's a fun watch, especially if you liked sense eight and the matrix franchise. 
it's more it's more Sense Eight than The Matrix. And also, yeah. go watch Sense Eight. Sense Eight's pretty good. So pretty, good. some of the wildest TV you'll ever see. Uh, but yeah, that that is our Matrix talk. And also, yeah, go check out my full review over at the Filmcast podcast. So yeah, you can hear me talk more about that. And spoilers, it ended up being my number one movie of 2021. So it beat out a lot of things. It beat out The Green Knight, a movie I loved as well. Damn. So. You know, I'm just fully down with the Matrix Resurrections. Uh, send me your hate mail or whatever. <laughs> or go read our reviews. I wrote a review on Engadget as well, so you could go check that out. Um, I think you can take us out, sure. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Davindra online at at Davindra on Twitter and at the Filmcast Podcast at thefilmcast.com. If you have recommendations for very cute personal support robots, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcastatengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. And a heads up, we're taking a break next week after CES, so there will be no episode from us or live stream. Uh, come back the week after. We'll be back. <laughs>